The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Good morning and welcome in to another edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao here along with Maurice Patton and J.P. Plant in beautiful Columbia, Tennessee. It is Tuesday, November 17th. We are eight minutes past the hour of nine o'clock here. We come to you every single weekday from nine to 11 talking all things sports and more, mostly food. <laughs> More equals food um, on WKOM 101.7 FM. Mo, good morning. How are you? Good morning. We didn't talk about food yesterday, did we? You know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We I talk don't. about food a lot. Though. More often we do, but it's it's kind of conspicuous in its absence when we don't. The only reason that I mention food is because of what Ron Jordan just said, Memphis baby back ribs being... Tennessee's top comfort food. I'm just going to say that's probably accurate. Hmm. I'm a big fan of Memphis's baby back ribs. I'm a big fan of ribs, period. Yeah. I mean, but Memphis style baby back ribs with that vinegar sauce on point. On well, the dry rub, yeah. Sauce the on the side. Rub. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. do prefer dry rub. I, I do Me- prefer Memphis dry style yeah. is the dry rub. Any, you do have that vinegar sauce on the side. Anybody who um, who offers you the sauce on the side knows what they're doing. I'm just saying. Now, having said that, you know, Dreamland is not a bad rib. See, I, I like Dreamland just fine, and that's probably the one Alabama thing that I don't embrace that everyone else does. I think Dreamland is a little bit overrated because I go to Saul's in Homewood, and Saul's is the best rib in Birmingham. Okay, I'm not familiar with it. Well, we'll we'll, we'll head down there one day. <laughs> it's worth the trip. <laughs> anyway. I, talking about Dreamland, uh, I would – I think you said it accurately. Dreamland is not a bad rib. That's a it's it's a very good rib. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh it it has I think been over marketed or popularized, it, o- overexposed, overexposed, and for what it is, not a bad thing. It's good for Dreamland because it brings business, mm-hmm. and it's a very solid rib. What I like the most about Dreamland is when they bring out a loaf. Of a loaf. Uh, the white bread. Of the white, white bread, bread. Mm-hmm. and multiple cups of the, of the sauce. sauce. That's all you need, really. Just dip the white that's, bread in the sauce and you're good to go. That's yep. all you need. I could bypass the ribs <laughs> every and get, time. Get, get bread, the sauce, and then some banana pudding. That's it. Every time. That's all you need. Okay, so then going back to the Memphis ribs for mm-hmm. a second. <laughs> Rendezvous, Rendezvous versus Dreamland. You 
You'd go rendezvous? I would go rendezvous for the ribs over Dreamland, personally. Now, at rendezvous, my favorite thing there is their uh, sausage and cheese oh, yeah. platter mm-hmm. because it is dusted very liberally with the dry rub, with the dry rub dust, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, it's, a, it's a solid rib, and yeah, you get it on the side. But uh, to me, that is, is be- the, if I were choosing between Dreamland ribs, rendezvous, I would go rendezvous. Good I choice. I don't have an issue with that. I approve. And, and there are other great places in Memphis. I'm not saying Rendezvous necessarily is the best ribs in Memphis. It's the most famous. Mm-hmm. And it is a unique place, and everybody should go to Rendezvous If you to are a rib person, you should go to Rendezvous at least once. You need to and go, you'll go back. And the same and could be said about Dreamland. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. you should go yeah. at least, and go to Tuscaloosa. Don't I haven't to been to the Tuscaloosa yeah. one. I've oh. been to the, I haven't been. Oh. That's the one. It's the experience, mm-hmm. the atmosphere. That's what really gets yeah, you. I mean, it's the classic the fact, hole in the wall. The fact that Joe, Nam- uh, Joe Namath may be sitting in the back while you're also there <laughs> is also pretty pretty cool <laughs> so yeah i mean it's it's definitely i mean I, i'm a rib i'm a rib guy too so i i feel you guys but yeah i'm we'll go to saw sometime in birmingham and, and i will treat you to the best rib in birmingham school me all go. right all right so we this is not a food radio show, although <laughs> it, it, although we talk about food kinda, a lot, it kind of could be. We're gonna call sports and food talk today. <laughs> oh man, I'm let's, not opposed. Let's talk some sports because <laughs> yesterday we did get a finally finally uh, around what five o'clock. And, and and so there's a good reason. A lot of people no, were giving yeah. the TWSAA some flack yesterday on Twitter because that's what they do. Yeah, and I'm I'm not a big give TWSAA flack if if possible. Um, this was not their fault. That they, they were doing everything they possibly could to doing make sure due diligence. Everything they which could possibly in do in that situation is exactly what needed to happen. Absolutely. So from. Well, let's just give credit to uh, Five Star Preps because, well, Jonathan um, Jesse Smith Jesse Smithy does a fantastic mm-hmm. job at mm-hmm. Five Star Preps, and um, essentially what they wrote yesterday uh, had they had a letter, the letter from Bernard Childress to both schools. They were planning on playing the game today. The TWSAA had every intention of playing the football game today. Mm-hmm. All that had to happen was for McMinn County to provide verification from the McMinn County Health Department attesting that the school had adequately performed the necessary contact tracing and ensured that any player other than the student in question with whom he had close contact in the 48 hours before he reported to practice ill on November 10th was quarantined and would not participate in the game. They couldn't do it. They didn't provide the necessary documents in the time frame specified, and the the time frame had to be yesterday. Yeah, by the end of the day. By yesterday. the end of the day yesterday, you had you had all day to make sure that every person who was supposed to be contact traced was contact traced. Now, from what we understand, this kid came to practice. He had been virtually learning mm-hmm. anyway. He hadn't been at school. He was only coming to school to. For practice. To practice. He gets to school on the 10th. He apparently had a fever. They send him home. Which the 10th was Tuesday of last week. 
or he was sick of some mm-hmm. sort. Okay, so they send him send home, him but home. they don't. They tell him, "Hey, go home. Go home. You're not going to practice today." Now it turns out he has asthma. So, the health department or his doctor says, "Well, the COVID test may be a fault, a false positive because of his asthma." I don't know if the test was positive. I don't know if it was negative. I don't know anything. All we know is that on Thursday, November 12th, he was informed he had a positive result. He did not travel with the team. They get there. They're ready to play. Sullivan County is then notified of the positive test, and here we are. So I don't know. I mean, it's uh, McMinn County had an opportunity. And they were unable to provide the necessary documents. Therefore, Dobbins Bennett will play Maryville on Friday, from what I understand. Heck of a reward. <laughs> right. Yeah, I am. Um, it's an unfortunate situation, obviously. But, but like you said, you know, McMahon County had every opportunity to address whatever concerns there were in a manner that would have allowed them to play and and for whatever reason either could not or would not produce the necessary paperwork which you know it leaves it open to debate whether they were in compliance with the necessary protocols or not i mean by not providing anything then 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 it leaves it open to debate you know did they have everything in place did they not what was the situation and the TAA has shown TWSAA has shown that they are going to act in an abundance of caution in these situations right now, and you know, understandably so. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. So you know, you talked yesterday about how you thought there might have been some underhandedness. How did Sullivan County find out? I still think there was some underhandedness, some kind of way, and. I guess that's possible. Um, Now, the state of Tennessee's assistant commissioner of health was quoted on WXSM Sports Monster with Bobby Rader. Um, I'm sorry, that was not him. It was um, Kingsport City Schools' Jeff Morehouse. He said... After much discussion, we were able to get the Sullivan County Health Department and the TWSLA on speakerphone together. So Childress and the County Health Department were on the speakerphone together. That must and have been Monday. When was this that? Is, this Friday, is Friday evening? evening. Okay. And that's when they decided not to play the game. So all that Morehouse said was he received a phone call from the Health Department at 6.05, letting us know they had been contacted by the state of Tennessee. 55 a, minutes before game time. This is where it comes The state of Tennessee's assistant commissioner of health contacted the Sullivan County Health Department. So, uh, say that again. The state of Tennessee's assistant commissioner of health. The state of Tennessee's assistant commissioner of health is sitting there with state playoff brackets to know (laughs) who's playing who. I'm just saying. And, and cross-referencing it with 
cases I'm not that saying. may or may that involve the football teams across Tennessee? All we're saying is the, he very well could have they they very well could have called and said, "Hey, we've got we confirmed this test is positive because they were worried it was a false positive, which would have meant that nobody had to be contact traced. Mm-hmm. That kid just didn't go to play, so it just would have been him." So they call the assistant commissioner of health and say, hey, call Sullivan County and tell them it's not a false positive. It is a positive. Why would you call Sullivan County and not McMinn County, though? McMinn County did call the the assistant director. This is what I'm saying. McMinn calls the assistant commissioner. Assistant commissioner calls Sullivan County because it's after hours, right? So they're not going to answer the phone at the health department. He probably calls Sullivan County's health commissioner, whomever that may be. I'm just saying this is in the realm of possibility. The only way to get in touch with the Sullivan County Health Department at that time would have been to call someone who had a cell phone number or a home phone number for a health department official. It's possible. I'm just saying. I'm. It is it possible Sullivan, you know, Dobbins Bennett had some underhandedness? Absolutely. Is it also possible that the health department's just figured out a way to contact each other also possible the possibilities are endless are endless (laughs) (laughs) and we will never know oh we will never know you're right um real quick before we get into the rest of the show um anyway dobbins bennett will play maryville on friday and (laughs) that was you know worth the time it took I, i thought it was interesting um we did have some results from yesterday and on sm-tnsports.com, you can find those results, both hoops and bowling. Bowling. District 8A tournament out at 10 Pin Alley yesterday. Congratulations to the Spring Hill Boys slash Co-Ed bowling team for winning the District 8 tournament championship, defeating um, Lawrence County. Sorry, JP. In the... Um, in the finals, 15 and a half to 11 and a half. Um, I, I, how fast, does the scoring work? I, it, it's number of games. in. It's a best of three. I don't know that it's a best of three. But the teams bowl three games. I think you get a point for each game, um, a point for each matchup in there. There's a point given for total pinfall. I, I don't understand it entirely, but it always adds up to 27 points. There are 27 possible points. Gotcha. That are available during the three-game team match. You you bowl five. Each team bowls five bowlers. Um, I don't understand at all. But the because 20, but- I, at, at my previous two jobs ago. Somebody else covered it, and so I didn't have to worry about it. Came down here, learned a little bit more about it, but still don't know all of the ins and outs. But like I said, we need to I, get Casey Patrick back on the phone to figure it out. Oh, Creekwood coach Casey Patrick. There we go. <laughs> That's what we'll do. Yeah. Oh, Explain he, to us know. the rules. Yeah, he would know. But again, the team scoring always adds up to twenty-seven. Gotcha. I do know that. That makes sense. And so um, again, Spring Hill defeated Lawrence County, fifteen point five to 11.5 so there was a tie in there somewhere and they split a point but um at any rate nick erdman who advanced to the individual state tournament last year for spring hill led the way in that championship match with a 7-11 series 
which is an average of what two, two thirty-five ish. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. Uh, um, so big win for them. Tullahoma girls defeated Lawrence County. Um, Spring Hill is bowling a co-ed team because they did not have enough girls to um, to sponsor a girls team, but they do have girls, and and so they compete officially as members of the boys team. Awesome. But, uh, so next up for Spring Hill and Lawrence County, they will both bowl in the Region 4 semifinals against the um, finalists from District 8, and I don't think those have been determined yet. Um, the bowling schedule is somewhat in the air because of our pandemic situation. Um, they're not sure if they're going to bowl regions before or after Christmas. The state tournament is scheduled for January 21st through 23rd. A number of people seem to be con- concerned as to whether that will actually take place because, again, of the pandemic situation. But um, we want to wish Spring Hill good luck in continuing its pursuit of the postseason, obviously. All right. And yesterday in hoops action, Ellie Colson led Summit's girls 53-32 to 20, win over Harpeth. Colson had 24 in the win. Sydney Wright also had 12 points for Summit. And they get the first win of the high school basketball season in southern Middle Tennessee. They do. Ellie Colson, the senior from Summit, who has um, signed with Eastern Illinois. That's right. Going to the OVC. Going to the OVC. That may not be the last time you hear the Ohio Valley Conference mentioned in today's show. That's right. It will definitely not be. But uh, when we... We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Joe Williams, as we always do, talk to the Williamson Herald on Tuesdays, and we will get his reaction to that Independence-Brentwood game, also his reaction to that Franklin-Ravenwood game, and probably what the heck else he's going to do this week. I'll be interested to hear what his plans are. But, yes, we'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Wade is actually going to throw it. No, he's pressured and drops the ball picks it up throws it in the end zone boom charlie's on the receiving end touchdown summit to score first pressure oh and trey hunter tattoos mccandless down at the 28 there he is the man trey hunter i've been waiting to call his name all night so he fakes the quarterback sneak wow and he spins off a tackle and he tight ropes and goes backwards into the end zone Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. That was Mike Epley on the call. 
from Friday night's Columbia Central Summit Spartans game at Spartan Stadium in Spring Hill, where Summit got a 28-14 win to advance to the quarterfinals of the state playoffs, where they will now travel up to Shackle Island and take on the Beach Buccaneers. It's going to be a really good football game. And one of the three remaining, four remaining Williamson County teams in the state playoffs. And to talk about those four teams this morning, we will bring you Mr. Joe Williams of the Williamson Herald. Joe, welcome in. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Doing well, sir, and yourself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. Hey, um... Obviously, we talked about that summit game that um that twenty eight fourteen win over Columbia Central. In as it turns out, that'll be Summit's last home game of the year. That was Summit's yep. last home game of the year, and it's it, it's kind of sad because they only had uh, <laughs> two. That was their their third home game of the year. Their only other home game was the Spring Hill game that you saw mm-hmm. and that's why their field looks so good i'm sure <laughs> because nobody had played on it all year long <laughs> wow that's crazy um joe chris mentioned that is one of four williamson county teams still alive as we continue on the road to cookville obviously franklin and ravenwood will face off in a um class 6a state quarterfinal game and Brentwood Academy advances with a with a win against Pope John Paul II last week. Um, so the question arises: Where in the world will Joe Williams be on Friday night? You know, I don't know. If, if I were guessing, I'm guessing I'll be at Brentwood. I said Franklin and Ravenwood, didn't I? It's Franklin and Brentwood. Franklin beat Ravenwood. To play yeah, I think everybody was a little surprised by that. I mean, let, let's face it, the pundits, nobody nobody would have expected that. Nobody. No. Even those body. of us who picked Franklin in the first round, Joe. Exactly. <laughs> Keep rubbing it and in. We, hey, <laughs> guys, we doggone sure didn't expect it the way it went down. No. No, that, um, you know, there's a lot of exciting football going on in Brentwood this past Friday night. Both sides of it. Yeah, both oh, sides of I-65. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I was I was on the west side. You were <laughs> on the west side, as was I. Yeah. Um, Joe threatened to yeah, get me on. Joe, Joe was threatened also, to, yeah, he was on TV. Yeah, he threatened to put me on TV, so I kept my distance from him. <laughs> I noticed you stayed on the other side of the field all night. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nobody wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you enjoy that? It was fun. Uh, I, I obviously I enjoy you know TV. I, I've, I've been blessed to do radio, TV, and and write for for prep sports now for a long time. Um, it's fun to go back and and do a little bit of everything. Is um, is it like is it like riding a bike, Joe? I think so. Um, you might want to ask folks at my TV thirty if they thought I wrote it well. Uh, <laughs> We did, I'll say this: we we didn't crash in any ditches that I know of. So. There you go. Joe was the sideline reporter for my TV 30s Friday Night Rivals telecast of the Independence Brentwood game on Friday night, which 
Um, I don't think they could have asked for a better ball game. Certainly couldn't have asked for a better ending than the one they got. Look, that's one of those classics, guys. That game will be talking about for years because of the way everything went down. Oh, no question. It, it, it was a seriously fantastic ending. It's kind of an instant classic kind of thing. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it really was. You know, there's a, there's a couple of uh, couple of calls that you wonder about. Could I don't wonder, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, a couple of calls you may wonder about. Well, because one of them didn't happen right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been the one the guys, and I don't have a, a monitor on the sidelines, but that must have been the ones that uh, Jonathan Hutton, the play-by-play guy, and uh, Josh Corey, the, the color guy, were going, Huh. Okay. <laughs> Second time we've seen the replay, and and we still okay. don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Basically, that's exactly what they said. Just don't see it. Don't see it. Yeah. Um, don't see a personal foul inside the final what thirty seconds to. Yeah. You know who saw it? The white hat. The white hat. He from, was the only one from the back from thirty-five field. yards away. Oh my goodness! Well done. Sir. Yeah, he had to run in to call it. Yeah. I hope Scott Blade's not listening because we're liable to get PTSD or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, um, and take no- here's the thing: take nothing away from Brentwood. Nothing, but you hate to see a game like that come down to something like that. Uh, you hate to see the officials involve themselves like that. But I- I'll say it. Yeah, well, you're there. But it was a great contest. That was one of those you look at and you go, God, I hate seeing you one of these lose. And I'm going to be the same way Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you and I haven't had a chance to talk, but but the reaction along the independent sideline once news spread of that Franklin 20, uh, 31-28 win was how happy everybody was for Donnie Webb. Yeah. Uh, truly yeah. one of the good guys in this business. And, and you know, if but if you think about it, fellas, it, it's kind of a kind of a microcosm of, of what they've got over there. They're not uh, the fastest. They're not the most athletic. Um, I was going to say they're not the biggest, but once you get outside of the <laughs> offensive line, they're not the biggest. Yeah, yeah, they may but, be the biggest up front, actually. Yeah, exactly. But they are scrappy, and they don't quit. And and I think that's kind of that classic cliche that you hear around sports of teams taking on the personality of their coach. You're exactly right. So that's a great point. Yeah. So Franklin travels to Brentwood, as Ron Crawford pointed out after the game Friday night, from two thousand two to two thousand eleven, Franklin and Brentwood played sixteen times. Yep. So this and the be- total margin of victory in those 16 games was 50 points or less. You're honest, three of those games were 21-20 games where the loser went for two. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's a heck of a rivalry. To the oldest football rivalry in Williamson County, is that correct, Joe? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. And then the other, thing, the other thing it will be, it will be – It will know, be a tiebreaker. Well, the field at Brentwood is named uh, the James C. Parker Field. Mr. Parker, I had it at 450. He was very adamant it was 449 last week. He was? Yes. Well, he should know, but I thought I remembered him missing one at some point. 
Well, that's what I said. You know, I'm like, well, I'm not going to argue with the man. Um, but still, even if it is 449 out of 450, good Lord, what a record. Yep. So this will actually be the tiebreaker. In the series? 21 and 21. That's special right there. That's interesting. That's interesting. And there have been years when you had those 21-20 games, and there have been years when they've, they've just blown each other out. Each other, exactly. Yeah, so um, should be an interesting one. Again, um, in 5A, Summit, the, the reigning Class 5A state runner-up, continues its run. They head to Beach Friday night, and – Clearly, this team kind of goes as Destin Wade goes, 26 carries for 242 rushing yards and four touchdowns through four. No, three rushing touchdowns and through for one. Is that right? That's correct. There we go. So, I mean, it's Look, it's pretty simple for them. I know the kid is a junior, but if he is not Mr. Football in Class 5A, it will be one of the greatest travesties in the history of that award you know what though i um i am afraid that the lack the of number contests. of games is going to be a factor i don't necessarily disagree with you in terms of the impact that he had in the games in which he played i'm just not sure he played in enough games for the people the the people who are smarter than I am who have a hand in making that decision. Well, my only argument to be that to that would be it wasn't his choice. No. <laughs> I understand. And and again, I don't disagree with you. I I think it's going to be an interesting dilemma. I, I don't think you can deny that he is potentially the best player in the state, certainly in class five A. And, and I will tell you, there are a lot of kids in 6A that are very good. But how in the world you beat the season that Jackson Campbell had, even though it's over? Well, fortunately, the voting is based on the regular season. Yeah. For what that's worth. So, so. you know, you've got a chance to have two Mr. Football winners from Williamson County, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. We are speaking um, – I'm sorry. We're speaking with Joe Williams of the Williamson Herald. Um, Joe, what impressions did you have with that Brentwood Academy JP2 game? I thought it was a nice wake-up call. I'm not sure anybody would argue Brentwood Academy is not the best team uh, in 2A. However, I think it was a good wake-up call for them to be told, we may be the best, but we're not going to skate. And I think on any given Friday, you know, I, there's the old cliche again. But on any given Friday, I think even the best can go down. Yeah. And this, I saw this JP2 team uh, play Franklin. And they had some hosses. And I, when they jumped out in front, I did not expect Brentwood Academy to come back. I, I got to give props to the Eagles for pulling that off. Yeah, you know <laughs> – I was I was watching the score, and I, I turned to uh, I turned to um, Justin Lamb on the sideline. I said, 
JP2 is just rolling right now. And it was it was like first or second quarter. It was, what, 21-7, 24? It was, it was a wide margin. 21-3. Yeah, yeah, 21-3. And I was like, my God, they're just rolling over Brentwood Academy. And did not see this coming. And then about <laughs> an hour later, I was like, oh, it's 27-21 oh. or whatever it was. And I was like, my goodness, how did, how did Brentwood Academy even come back? It was crazy. That escalated rather quickly. It did. <laughs> It's kind of like getting the first two punches in on your older brother. <laughs> there you go. Even though you know in the end, you're going to pay a price for it. <laughs> and yeah, that's exactly go. what happened. The, yeah. We, we keep talking about these games Friday night, guys. I think you've got to put the caveat out there uh, scheduled or uh, supposed to, or hopefully will. Scheduled subject to change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Perhaps you know, as late as six oh five. Yeah. Well, you saw, you know, Dobbins been in advances with a COVID win over McMinn. I don't know if y'all saw the letter that. Oh uh, yeah, we, sent we, out we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. We. Oh we, man. We have discussed that. That's a tough way to lose a ball game. That's hard. Yeah. So. That's hard, especially at this point in the year. And and you know, we all knew it was possible. And I, I'm just. I tell you what, I'm going to say it again. I, I know we're talking about football, but I'm just as we hit fall and winter, I am, I am just hmm. super concerned about wrestling and worried about basketball. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I still don't know, and and you know how much it hurts me to say it. I, I don't know, I don't know how we wrestle. And Franklin, uh, Franklin was supposed to play a, a Hall of Champions, Hall of Fame game tonight. They canceled it um, in basketball. Uh, we've got, you know, all this week, high school basketball starts to ramp up. It's that, that mesh of seasons between football and basketball, and I'm not sure how much of a mesh it's going to be. Absolutely. It's it's going to be a – not a mesh, a mess. Mm. But yeah. for the next two weeks, buckle up. It's going to get bumpy. And well, you know, the hard, the hard part is we talk about it, but I mean, mom, guys, I'm going to go back to what we were talking about a second ago. It's like the Wade kid. Well, he may not have as good a chance because he didn't play in as many games. Well, how many COVID games did they wind up having to drop? Summit. Five, four, four, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, not their fault. Yeah. Absolutely. It's tough. Oh, Joe, as always, it's a pleasure, my friend. I just, I just, I enjoy bringing all this bright cheeriness to your program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you bringing it as well, Joe. <laughs> you know, but hey. again, just, just, just remember, there, there, there's always tomorrow. Things could be worse. Think of all the cliches that we've written or said. <laughs> and uh, you have my permission to slap me when you see me. <laughs> Sounds good. We we will certainly take that under advisement. Joe Williams of the Williamson Herald joins us each Tuesday, either he or his counterpart, Charles Pulliam, and we appreciate both of you guys. Joe, have a great rest of the week, and um, maybe we will cross paths here at some point again. I, I, I hope so. I appreciate it. Sure am enjoying Southern Middle Tennessee sports, guys. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you, sir. All right, that is Joe Williams. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about Mount Pleasant as they finalized their football schedule yesterday with a couple of 
really intriguing matchups. We'll tell you what those two are. We'll hand out some hardware and then tell you where you can find high school basketball tonight as of 9.47 a.m. on Tuesday morning. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. Welcome back in once again to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yow, Mo Patton, J.P. Plant, 10 minutes to the top of the hour here in 10 o'clock in Columbia, Tennessee, where it is a beautiful and sunny 52 degrees outside here on West 7th as we see cars stroll by at the 15 miles an hour. I think I just saw one guy hit his head when he bumped into a, a, a pothole. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I avoid that part of West 7th like the plague right now. I, I think this thing was scheduled to be finished in the fall of 2020. Is they that have, correct? They have about 34 Three, days to go. Nah, I don't think they're going to make it. <laughs> I don't it. think it's going to happen. I don't I – don't, I don't, if, if that's the over-under, I'm taking the over <laughs> on this one. For uh, entertainment purposes just only. Just FYI, I saw, a tweet, I saw a tweet the other day that had a um, – they they shut down a road and put an entire tunnel under a a road in France or something. It was somewhere in Europe. Put the entire tunnel under a road in a weekend. They shut it down Friday, opened it back up on Monday with a new tunnel underneath it. <laughs> so I'm just saying this is it a little ridiculous. Yeah. It's a little ridiculous. Talking tunnels, yeah. I, I know we're tight, but have you guys ever been to Norfolk? Norfolk, mm -hmm. Virginia Beach. Yeah. That underwater tunnel. It's scary. <sighs> I don't like heights, and I don't like being underwater. Good Lord. I would have closed my eyes, except I was driving. You yeah, know? Well, thank God you didn't. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy stuff. Oh, anyway, let's uh, right. let, let's get back into it real quick. We've got a couple of things to talk about. One, want to get real quick into the Mount Pleasant football schedule as they finalized it yesterday. We have a story up on sm-tnsports.com. You can find that uh, that non-region schedule. Um, no, you can is find it the whole Mount schedule? Pleasant's entire schedule. Entire schedule? Yeah. Yeah. All ten of those babies are ready to go. There we go. Yeah. Um, Mount Pleasant moves up to Region 5, 2A. For the 2021 That's gonna through be 23 fun. season uh, um, school years. So they will open Mount Pleasant Will with a non-region game against visiting East Hickman 
We've talked a little bit about them here over the second half of the season. A couple times. Yeah, they go to Scotts Hill on August 27th. They open region play September 3rd against visiting Cascade, followed by a visit from Lewis County, which will not be a region game because Lewis County is going to region 6 2A for next year. They're going to play across the river. Um, September 17th, they uh, Mount Pleasant will travel to Loretto for a region game. Um, they've played Loretto for the last little while. It's just not been a region game. September 24th, the ding, Tigers ding, 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 will ding, ding, host ding. Columbia Central. At the Mount. At the Mount. Yes, sir. Mount Pleasant Memorial Stadium. It will be the first time Columbia Central and – well, it will be the first time Columbia Central and Mount Pleasant have ever played. Um the last time they played back in 1961, it would have been Columbia Central and Haylong. So, um, continuing, Mount Pleasant returns to region play on October 1st against Richland. They will travel for a region game October 15th after an open week to Summertown. And then on October 22nd, the Tigers will take on the... Spring Hill Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. <laughs> this series um, was last played in 2014, so not quite as long as Central. <laughs> yeah. Not, you know, Mount Pleasant has never beaten Central or Haylong either. Neither one of them have. have yeah. No, Columbia Central has never lost to that to to a team from that town. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, they tied – in the initial matchup right. in 1935. But they've never but beaten since them. then, Columbia Central has won 16 of 16. Um, Mount Pleasant will finish the season at... Spring Hill and Mount Pleasant used to be a region game, right? That I'm not sure of. I'm pretty sure it was. I think it's, in Spring it, Hill's it, first couple of years, they were, they were a small the school. Year it that, may have been a district game. Yeah, the year that they were... The year that Spring Hill won state? I'm pretty sure that was a district game. That could very well be. Um, Mount anyway. Pleasant completes its regular season October 29th at Region 5-2A rival Forest. So, um, Cascade, Loretta, Richland, Summertown, Forest, and Mount Pleasant will comp- comprise Region 5-2A next year. So, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Should be fun to watch, absolutely, especially, again, September 24th and October 22nd when the Lions and DeRidas Both travel, travel to the Mount. Yep, which means Mount Pleasant has to travel twice in 22. But Short trip, short trip for everybody. Exactly, and I think that was a motivating point for all three in making that decision. No question. Okay. All right, let's hand again. Oh, that that story is up on the website at sm-tnsports.com. Be sure and check that out. Yes, it is. It's time to hand out some hardware. Let's do. First, we didn't do this yesterday because we were waiting on a result. There we go. And so normally we would hand this out on Mondays, but we were waiting on a result, and that result is our end to win life team of the week presented by custom stone handlers the team of the week the rolling raiders of spring hill high school the District spring hill. eight tournament champions spring hill the spring hill rolling raiders bowling team well done well done 
Also, our Covenant Technology Player of the Week. Kind of hard to go wrong here as it's Destin Wade, and it's really not close. 26 carries, 242 yards, three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown in Summit's 28-14 second-round victory over Columbia Central. And a dribble on that passing touchdown. <laughs> and, of course, our patio – He does play basketball. He does play basketball. Our Patio West Scholar Athlete of the Week from Summertown High School, Miss 4.0 GPA, Kaylee Campbell, who recently signed to play golf at Austin P. State University. So there you have it. That's our hardware. Rolling Raiders of Spring Hill High School, the end-to-win life team of the week, Destin Wade, your Covenant Technology Player of the Week, and Kaylee Campbell, the Patio West Scholar Athlete of the Week. Today we have some high school basketball to talk about, some games. Give us that schedule. We have Columbia Central traveling to Smyrna for a doubleheader this evening. We also have Kalioka hosting Cornersville, Santa Fe hosting Fairview, Hampshire hosting Lewis County, and Summertown traveling to Eagleville. So a lot of basketball action tonight. Again, Summit opened the season last night with a 53-32 win at Harpeth. Um, so we are... We're off and running on the hardwood. And you'll be out tonight where? I will be at Fairview at Santa Fe. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of black and gold in the house. <laughs> yeah, a lot of black and gold in the house. You're right. Yeah. Um, that'll be a really good ball game. Really excited to see how Santa Fe uh, holds up. I think it will be. Like, um, you know, Fairview has had some success the last few years. I know they made a deep run in the Class AA postseason two years ago. Um, did not fare quite as well last year, but for Santa Fe, which has some um, some aspirations of, of doing some damage this time around in um, Class 1A, they were the regular season District 10A champion last year and return a bunch of talent from that team. So should be an interesting matchup. It certainly will be. Certainly will be. All right. That is the end of the first hour for us. When we come back on in hour number two, we're going to talk about the NCAA basketball tournament. Will they be in a bubble? It it appears they will be uh, for the entire March Madness tournament. Also, you might see some conference realignment involving some regional teams in the area. And, of course, we're going to talk about that Hall of Fame, the finalists for the Baseball Hall of Fame were announced yesterday. The The ballots were handed out. Who would you vote for? We'll tell you who we would vote for. And then, of course, it's Top 5 Tuesday. We'll tell you the best players who are not in a pro Hall of Fame in any sport. That is Top 5 Tuesday. All of that and more when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by The Rock Place, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. 
Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years, specializing in orthopedic injuries. Their OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. A couple minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock, and we come to you currently live. If you're listening on the podcast, we appreciate it. If you did not know we have a podcast and you missed any part of the show, well, we can help you with that, too. Or, or any of our other shows since September 21st. Well, even before that, we had... The podcast has been... Uh, archived since the middle of the summer. We, even if you go back to those original, those first podcasts, the audio is not great, by the way, because they were done via Zoom, <laughs> because we were socially distancing, etc. But we had some great guests, and uh, you can go back and listen to to those, and including Jason Maxwell, who uh, probably won't be on our top five, but really good baseball player. We'll say that. Uh, and and pretty good baseball coach over at Innsworth. And and, and all-around great dude. He is a great dude. So hello to our friends in Marshall County listening uh, who are Jason Maxwell fans. Um, if they're in Marshall County, they're Jason Maxwell fans. That's probably true. <laughs> but, yeah, so you can listen to the podcast. Just search SM-TN Sports Today. You can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher, just about anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, you can find it on our website, sm-tnsports.com. If you look at the top, there is a tab that says podcast. It's really simple. We couldn't make it much more simple than that. Couldn't make it much better, easier, much much easier. So, um, yeah, we would love for you guys to, to check that out, and you can you know go back and listen to our our show yesterday where we talked a lot about the recap of summit and independence and central games. Um, a lot of fun there, but if you missed any part of today, it will also be on there around lunchtime. Takes us a little bit of time to get it up, but we, we like to get it up as quickly as possible. It will be up today. That's the best way to put it. And if you're probably want to hear it on your way home, right? There we go. Little evening drive. You know, right little alternative to whatever else you might be listening to that time of day, or you know, if if you if you're not listening to JP, which you should be. Mm, good point. But there is an hour of JP. There's an hour and thirty minutes of us. There you go. And it's a long way from Nashville to Spring Hill, especially <laughs> that time of day. Exactly. You probably got plenty of time to listen. Or to Columbia, even if that's how far you're driving. But yeah. So we got a lot to talk about in the second hour. A lot of Hall of Fame talk because in uh, the next segment we will talk about that Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. And then our top five today will be our top five best players not in a professional Hall of Fame. Not limited to baseball. Not limited to baseball. There we go. Although I only have one non-baseball on my top five. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. 
What I want to talk about right now, though, is saw a tweet yesterday. First off, want to, uh, as of seven minutes ago, Taylor Eldridge, uh, Wichita State Athletics beat writer for the Wichita Eagle and Kansas.com, mm. has confirmed Greg Marshall has resigned from Wichita State. Oh. Um, so there's that. Okay. And speaking of college basketball, yesterday saw a tweet that the NCAA basketball tournament very well could be played in its entirety inside the city of Indianapolis. Thoughts? <laughs> it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works. It's it's interesting. I uh, it, it I guess it just shows the lengths that the NCAA is willing to go to to make sure this tournament gets played. For one thing. For another, how do you get to that point? I mean, if you feel like the NCAA tournament requires a bubble, then what about all the play, all of the regular season play? Are, are we going to see conference bubbles as well? I, how, how far do we go with the bubble concept at the collegiate level where they're supposed to be student-athletes? And how – well, that's the question. That That's where it gets, you know – crazy is are we are they going to be doing class from there are they obviously the majority of the time they're gone anyway because they're they're in another city no matter what i mean the first and second rounds and the regionals they're all played in they're not played in the home arenas well sure but i I guess my thing is typically you go back to campus between rounds perhaps you don't have to now well, and so again, you you typically go back to campus, you go back to class between rounds. And I guess if you're doing online classes, then that's not an issue. But it, the skeptic in me, the contrarian in me, it just kind of feels like college athletics keeps telling you that these guys, these individuals, these these kids are student athletes when it's convenient for the establishment to consider them as student athletes, but then they get treated as, you know, pawns to make sure that an event takes place when it's convenient for the establishment that's making the event happen. So... You know, I, I just, I, I don't want to call it hypocrisy, but I do think that there are mixed messages being sent with all of this. I I can certainly see that. Um, but if we're going to, if we're being honest, athletics departments, especially via March Madness, are largely funded by football and major college basketball. Therefore, if these student athletes want to continue having that second part of that phrase, <laughs> I think you you got to do what you got to do to con- you know again, you're right in that there is exploitation of a lot of high-level name players across college athletics. 
but that's the 1% that is helping to pay for the other 99% of athletes in college athletics who aren't those big names. Therefore, you know, sometimes you got to, you got to use the, you got to use what you got to, to, to help, what you want. to help others continue their dream. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I mean, just the whole thing. Like I said, just the links that you're willing to go to to make sure that this takes place. And, and you know, I, I don't want to be hypocritical. I mean, I missed March Madness last year. It was it, it was awful not, not having that. But at the same time, you kind of understood why. And so I'd like to think that the more mature of us were it not to happen this year, would understand why. And and certainly there's a there's a financial component to not having the NCAA tournament. But I wonder what the finances are of bringing 68 teams to one place for a weekend and then whittling it down in one place with however many gems it's going to take to get that done. Well, you're talking no fewer than 18 people per team. No fewer. Mm-hmm. Most of them will have 22. Because you'll have three or four coaches, 12 players, and then you'll have anywhere from two to six staff. It's a lot of folks. Times... However, however hotel many. rooms are we going to sleep in you know where, where are we sleeping where, where are we bubbling <laughs> I yeah. mean it's it's I just don't see the logistics in in Indianapolis yeah in Indianapolis of all places <laughs> I mean not not exactly the convention capital of the world not Vegas you know not Nashville I was about to say Nashville would be a perfect opportunity. I mean, Franklin well, were, has were it not such a hot spot. Well, I mean, but I mean, Franklin has thirty-seven hotels <sighs> off two exits. <laughs> As a Franklin native, that's a number that literally choked me. <laughs> I don't know if thirty-seven is accurate, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. I'm just saying. I, was I mean, say- for for a guy who grew up with the Holiday Inn on 96, and that was it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 37 is not far off. It's probably pretty close. I'd be curious. Yeah, we, we, we will have to count or call <laughs> the Chamber of Commerce or something, but um, I don't know if I want to try to count all those. Oh. But, yeah. Nashville would have been a much better option, I feel like. I feel like. But maybe not. Well, I don't, I don't go to Indianapolis enough to know. Do you, JP? Do you go to Indianapolis I at go all? through Indianapolis, and it's typically torn up the last five yeah. years or so. It's a pain. It's a pain to get around in or through Indianapolis. I went to Indianapolis uh, about eight straight years with the NBA. Uh, it's Actually, it's a decent town. Downtown is a decent town. But, like, do they have 37 hotels? They've got apparently a lot of hotels because they've had the Super Bowl. They've um, they have the Big Ten Championship there every year. Those are two teams. I, I know, but yeah. I'm, um, now you're talking about the entire the 68 yeah. teams. Yeah, that's a lot of hotels. <laughs> uh, 
Indianapolis, especially if you're trying to create a bubble, because you've almost got to buy um, them out. They their downtown though is uh, they do have a lot of hotels, and their downtown is connected a lot like Minneapolis St. Paul. They've got a lot With of the um the overpasses, the skywalks. So you can get around Indianapolis uh, pretty easily. You can basically walk almost the entire downtown. It's not that big of a downtown. It's actually smaller in size than Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's it's a good spot. Now, whether they can fit everybody, I, I don't know. And kick everybody else out. Yeah. That's the problem. And, I, you know, I don't – it's not like – once you get outside of Indianapolis, there's a whole lot of population center or availability for hotels. So if you can't fit in Indianapolis, I don't know if you could do it outside. See, that's where I think Nashville has the the opportunity is because of the the growth on the outside yeah. where you don't have to worry about it. You could play games at, you know, in Cool Springs. You could play games at a lot of different places. Uh, it, you know, if you're not allowing fans or whatever, then right. yeah, there's there's plenty of opportunities. Yeah. But in, any college in Indiana, gym. Yeah, yeah. In, in Indianapolis, okay, really. you're pretty well looking at staying in tents and cornfields if you're not downtown. <laughs> so Anyway, yeah. there's that. Um, I will say this. the no, no change to the NCAA regionals in scheduling. So, um, so it'll still be... Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday. Um, Thursday, as Saturday, the, Friday, Sunday games, basically. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure what that means. Um, but anyway, it, it, it's going to be a disaster if they try to put 68 teams in one place. In one place. That's that's all I'm going to say. It's, it's, it's a disaster. Um, now... Let's talk a little bit about some lower-tier conferences because you sent me a tweet this morning that I thought was wild. Yeah. Um, So apparently, uh, let me find it real quick. Essentially, there are some area... Yeah. Kendall Rogers with Division One Baseball um, at Kendall Rogers on Twitter. Some potentially interesting baseball news could be on the horizon. A Sun, that's Atlantic Sun Conference. A Sun Sports presidents have voted to enter into a 60-day negotiating period with hopes of adding Eastern Kentucky, Central Arkansas, and Jacksonville State to the a sun stay tuned now you know why we're talking about it (laughs) (laughs) all right um so here's the thing is so kendall rogers he is a the co-managing editor of d1 baseball Mm -hmm. so so his he is as dialed in on the college baseball level as anybody but his his tweet says baseball news, but this is actually for all sports because a sun presidents would not be voting for just baseball. Yeah. And I tweeted back baseball only didn't get a reply, but well, I I can't see it. I can't see the Ohio Valley conference in which Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville state compete, allowing a school to move one athletic program. But could they stay in football? That, I think, is a possibility. 
where they would stay in football but move their other athletics out. I don't know that the OVC has any football-only programs. I think they have really frowned on that. I, I think they begrudgingly brought Belmont in without football. Well, you can say that, but Jacksonville State and Eastern Kentucky are OVC football powerhouses. So at what point do you say, can you say, well, two of our top four programs in football, you can't be here if you're not going to have everything else. Can you say that? Especially when you're playing a division schedule currently, then you would be looking at having to add two more teams if possible or... I don't know. I <laughs> that, mean, that's a tough one. It is a tough one. I, I could the you know if 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 I'm in Beth DeBoss's shoes, I don't really like the idea of being dictated to by an institution. I don't think that that would be the case. I think that that Greg Seitz at Jacksonville State would not. I mean, obviously they would ask, "Can we stay in the OVC?" And if we can't, cool, whatever. I mean, I don't think they're going to demand it I mean, they don't have the ability to demand it right they don't have any leg in the leg to stand on if they're leaving to go to the a sun right in in basketball i i think it's a really interesting concept and and you know when you look at the makeup of the a a sun that's what i was going a, to a, a football an a sun football conference may be more attractive than the Ohio Valley Conference, to be honest. So that's kind of what I was about to say is which teams play football because right now they're playing in the Big South. Kennesaw State, Campbell. North Alabama. Um, Yeah, yeah, North Alabama's playing. North Alabama. I mean, you could end up with Kennesaw, North Alabama, Stetson, Eastern Kentucky, Central Arkansas, and Jacksonville State. And Campbell, I guess, that's... Is Campbell in the A-Sun? They are for basketball, I'm pretty sure, the Campbell Camels. Yeah, and they're in the Big South for everything else? Um, They're in Big South for football. I know. I thought they were in the Big South for everything. I didn't realize. Uh, And they may be. Uh, I'm not completely sure i'll say this when you when you go to the a suns website and you click football it takes you to the big south conference <laughs> website <laughs> i'm shocked that the a sun has a football click i guess everybody plays in the big south yeah and i guess campbell is in big south now okay so i just remember back in the day they were in the a sun when troy was in the a sun Cause, and and uh, Samford was in the A-Sun because they used to play each other in the conference tournament to see who was going to go to the NCAA. <laughs> it was Campbell and, and Samford just about mm-hmm. every year. But, yeah. So, I mean, could you see? So, right now, Kennesaw State, Monmouth, and North Alabama are football only in the Big South. Monmouth. Monmouth. In New Jersey, right? Yeah, I don't think they would be part of the A-Sun. Well... They're in the Big South, New, right? New, New Jersey Institute of Technology is in the A-Sun. So, I mean. Who knows? 
um, conferences have little or no geographic limits these days. Anymore. Get off my yard. Um, this does not seem to be a baseball-driven move, even though it's Kendall Rogers that, spot, that, that posted this. And that was the first that I saw of it. I can't imagine that, that baseball is the basis for this. It's got to be farther reaching than that i think the a sun wants a football conference i think they want a football conference well it would make sense it would it would make sense they well they as you mentioned they have that uh tie-in with the big south they've been taking on teams with taking on schools with football teams i think building up for eventually forming their own forming their own football football Every other sport, you mentioned North Alabama, right? A prime example. Every other sport does play in the A sun. So um, I, I will say this: Central Arkansas seems to be an outlier in this, but the reason is from what from what I'm understanding on this this Twitter back and forth here is that apparently the folks in the Southland is are going through where there are rumors of the Texas four of the Southland conference moving to the WAC, which would make UC UCA even more of an outlier. So if Sam Houston, Stephen F. Austin, if, if they're going to WAC or conference USA or wherever, then UCA's got to go somewhere. And Who they'd the heck go is east. even in the whack anymore? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that, but it's not. It, I mean, it's a basketball conference, essentially, at this point. But they've got teams in Missouri. They've got teams in Illinois. I mean, it's it's nuts. Please hold. Oh, I'm I'm already on their their website. Seattle, Cal State, Bakersfield, Utah Valley, um, California Baptist, Grand Canyon, which is where former Vanderbilt basketball coach Bryce Drew is now, New Mexico State, Texas, Rio Grande Valley, um, Kansas City, Rio Grande Valley, and Chicago State. Oh, Kansas City, UMKC, um, Columbia State's John Bolden signed with UMKC back this past spring. So, for what that's worth. Yeah, it's it's a mess. It is a mess. Um, and and if you thought that FBS realignment was nuts, start talking about Dixie State. And California Baptist. <laughs> well, where are they going to go? Who cares? <laughs> like, just schedule 30 games and go to the house. <laughs> like, who cares? Why are you picking on Dixie State, man? I'm just saying, like, it's the most random <laughs> one I can see. Seattle, you? Yeah. Tarleton? It, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> Come so, on. So, yeah, I mean, so you can see why. You know, Central Arkansas might be looking for somewhere else to be. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. We're not going to Seattle, folks. No. I'd much rather go to Jacksonville. Right? 
You'd much rather go to Jacksonville U or Jacksonville State, either one. Yeah, <laughs> either although, one. Although Jacksonville U and Jacksonville State being in the same conference would be interesting. <laughs> oh, that would be nightmarish, <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, I don't know. If you've never been to the Space Needle, you might want to go to Seattle. Uh, yeah, it's a one-time deal, though. I'm not going four times. Yeah. Oh, oh. Travel tip: If you ever go to Seattle, and if if you ever buy a blown glass replica of the Space Needle, take extra care in how you pack it. Oh gosh! <laughs> how much did you pay for that that you broke? <laughs> More than I should have to break it, <laughs> and and give my mom shards of broken glass. Well, mom. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh, I nearly cried. The gift cried. that keeps on giving. <laughs> I nearly cried. Yeah. I bet you did. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, that's a that that's a that that was a segment. Uh, <laughs> that was a twenty five minute segment, by the way. Oh goodness. <laughs> and uh, we do need to take a break, and we will do that. And on the other side of it, we will talk about the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot, which has several names on it. And I'll tell you who I would vote for, and these guys will tell you who they will vote would vote for. Uh, on the other side of the break, this is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. As I have to turn my hat around because I was hitting the microphone stand. Don't know how it got turned around anyway. <laughs> 30 minutes. Right in the middle. We're 30 minutes from the top and 30 minutes from the bottom. Or, no, we're on the bottom. Yeah, we're, on, yeah the bottom. We're on the bottom. We're on the bottom. Bottom of the hour. Yeah. Really excited about this next segment because I love talking about Baseball Hall of Fame. I get really really interesting. And one of the reasons is because Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, The ballot came out and there are let's see 25 folks eligible. Many of them with their first year on the ballot. Um, you can vote for up to 10. So there's that. A lot of interesting names on here who are not in the Hall of Fame. And I'm interested to get your guys' take before we say who we would vote for. Mm-hmm. Um steroids 
<laughs> does it affect your voting? Yes. I, I'm I'm getting there, I, but I hadn't thought about it a whole lot. But as I was looking at these names, and I look a at, lot of them. Look at Barry Bonds, uh, at a Sammy Sosa, and I'm and Roger Clemens and Roger Clemens. I'm just not there yet to get over that because of it was so blatant and made such a huge difference. At least I, I, I don't know. It, it was a just a blatant disregard to to the rules. Barry Bonds is the toughest one for me mm-hmm. for the fact that. He was tracking to the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear people say that after after the McGuire-Maris thing, I mean, McGuire-Sosa thing, he's like, well, heck, yeah. might as well. If they can get away with it. So, you know, I I, I think I'm where you are. See, that's, why, that that's why I would be more inclined to vote for Barry Bonds. Because he was tracking. Because he was going to the Hall of Fame either way. The 72 or 75 home runs, however, was it 74 was the record? 73. 73 73 was the record. But who's counting? I mean, (laughs) honestly, like. You can't discount his talent and his ability to be able to hit the ball. Take the home runs away. You you can't discount that. But. (laughs) I think it's the mindset, though. I mean, why why did he do it? That's a great question. But again, it I mean, made, if you, if you were going anyway, why? Ego, Clemens, A. Rod, McGuire, Sosa—that's why. But I think, and obviously, I've never been in the position. But there were so many guys out there that were doing it the right way, sure, and and still having success. And and that's that's where the dilemma lies for me. Why? Why would you do that? And you know, shame on the powers that be in MLB for not, you know, being more proactive about rooting it out at the time, and and leaving this up for for everybody to deal with, you know, in the aftermath. Yeah, they took the uh, the ratings. Hey, you know what? And I, look, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Home run chase baseball was the best baseball. That was a fun year. But there's no question. I feel like home run chase baseball brought us to where we are now where we're home runs and strikeouts and shifts and and launch angles and all that other stuff. I'm sure it had a lot it played into the lot of the analytics. But it's more fun when Ronnie and Ozzy go back-to-back. It's more fun. Yeah, the strikeouts are not fun. They, they, they stink. But it also makes me enjoy those pitchers who can strike these guys out more. You enjoy those single moments, but you enjoy the game as a whole less. Yeah. I don't know. Because, it because, takes so long. Well, that and because, you know, you get a guy on base with a leadoff double and, and – Can't get him home. Well, and you and nobody even thinks about bunting him up. It's not a And it's nobody not a thinks about him stealing third. I mean, I'm, I'm a small ball fan. That's why you like the National League. I get it. Yeah. And I, I like – 
I like the idea of putting pressure on defenses and making them have to make plays. And home runs and strikeouts don't do any of that. Baseball. You know has, what it does though? Brings fans. Uh, yeah. Some until fans. they're Some. until they're until they're there for three and a half hours and they're like, "Crap, this is this." Takes and we long. didn't see anything but twelve uh-huh. strikeouts and three home runs. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And a bunch of fly balls to the warning track. A bunch of fly balls to the warning track. So. Yeah. That's one reason I think Freddie's MVP because he's able to gapper. You know, he he gets a, he gets a lot of gap doubles. Yeah, he hits his share of fly balls to the warning track too. <laughs> and into the shift, but that's new uh, there. But a lot of doubles. Yeah. He's going to opposite field a lot this year. So that's why I think he was he, he deserved most valuable player, no question. Um, real quick, guys, there are 25 names on the list. The Baseball Writers um, Association says the rules are you can vote for up to 10 players. Um, voting shall be based upon the player's record, playing ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to the teams on which the player played. So integrity and character matter. Is there any shift in any of those, or is it all equal? Meaning, is there any weight given to any one particular? No, it's just I I just think that the voter is asked to consider all of that. All right. So So, character and... Character and integrity, aka steroids. Well, or did they admit it? You know what? How did how did that play into it? Because A Rod, in his ability to sweet talk the chrome off of a hubcap, <laughs> will say, "I have to live up to those mistakes. I have to just take what it is. You know, I have to live to live with it and and take it as it comes." Whatever he said. You know, McGuire. He still did it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, should, I should the fact that you admit were. it allow you to get in? I don't think it should. It's I, the what's the difference? I think a lot of people they both were doing did them. it. McGuire and A Rod both did it. One admitted, one did not. No, yeah, both of them admitted it. Yeah, McGuire one earlier yeah. than the la- the latter. I, I, just, I think McGuire acknowledged it. I don't think yeah. he necessarily he admitted it. No. <laughs> that. That uh, that documentary that mm-hmm. we watched, he he said it. So I don't know. Living yeah. with the consequences. Well, in the one of the consequences is not getting in the not Hall getting of the Hall of Fame because you cheated. Yeah, based Shoeless, on the rules. Shoeless Joe ain't in there. That's right. Yeah, Pete Rose is not in there. Ty Cobb is. Exactly. Anyway, speaking of figure. character and integrity. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I'm gonna go first. Go. I only voted for five. Mm-hmm. Here are my my five baseball. I'm I'm sorry, sorry. I have seven. I just added two, <laughs> and I, it was because I didn't. Mathing is I hard. Didn't, well, huh? I didn't write them. I didn't write them down earlier. But um, so here here are my 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 list: Tim Hudson, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Nick Swisher, and Billy Wagner. Any reason? That I would have picked those five. <laughs> those are the only five who all played for the Braves. Now I'm just kidding about Nick Swisher. I'm not going to vote for Nick Swisher for the Hall of Fame, but I thought that would be a, funny. A good way to. Why is uh, Nick Swisher on this list? Why is Nick Swisher on this list? Because he's been retired for five years. 
and but, he, the, but and there's he, probably what sixty other players on this list so, uh, that retired for five years. So the the eligibility yeah requirements are they shall have been an active player or um I'm sorry they they shall have been an active player for ten seasons. Mm. Okay. Got to have 10 seasons in. Got to have 10 seasons just, just in. Just have played 10 seasons. Got to play, play 10 seasons. Got to be retired for five. Correct. Okay. Is so, that it? Yeah. So okay. um, in the major leagues, it's sometimes during a period beginning 15 years before and ending five years prior to the election. So anyway. But that's to be eligible. Who gets on the ballot? How is that Everybody. determined? Anybody who played so 10 years. Anybody that meets that. These are the only 25 that have played 10 years and that have been retired for at least five. Correct. Really? Now, now you go off the ballot at certain point. Like, I think after, how, how long if is it? If you don't receive a certain amount of votes, yeah. you're you out. I, I, I just find out, I, I would have thought there would have been a lot more players. That fit that criteria, but and if maybe you, there's if not. You, if you're looking at the ballot that Chris passed along, the names in italics, this is their first year on of the eligibility. Ballot. So Nick Swisher probably gets zero votes and doesn't get on next year's ballot. Ballot that makes sense. That does make sense. Okay, so if you if you don't get any votes, you fall off. You're done. You fall off. Yeah. And do you get the opportunity to come back? No, no. That's it. So anyway, um, seriously though, I, I would vote. I would vote Tim Hudson and Andrew Jones, by the way. Andrew Jones deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care what anybody tells you. Um, I would vote for Kurt Schilling. Yes, I know his politics are awful, but because he's crazy right wing, like <laughs> crazy. And that doesn't matter to me because this is the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, and this is this this one is tough for me. But I would vote for Todd Helton. Why is that tough for you? Why, why is Todd Helton yeah. tougher for you than Kurt Schilling? I just, I don't. Kurt Schilling won two major league championships, so Todd Helton did none of that. Um, I would also vote for Barry Zito for um, Country Music Hall of Fame. I don't know if you know this, but he is a country music. Best guitarist in the in Major League Baseball. And he's fantastic. Anyway. Uh, Bernie yeah. Williams would like a word. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he's got a little bit more serious about his music, Barry Zito did, yes, while he, had, he was here with the Nashville Sounds. He's He still lives here, still pursuing music. BarryZitoMusic.com. Check it out. It's really He's got a really good new album out. Anyway, okay. go ahead, guys. Just like a lefty. You want me to go? All right. Yeah. Um, I've only got three. Okay. I've only got three. I'm here for it. I've got uh, Tim Hudson. I do have Todd Helton. And I do have Kurt Schilling. I was on the fence with Andrew Jones. Obviously, a Braves guy. Um, I just don't know if he had the longevity of greatness that I think it deserves. You know, it's you know you hear people all the time. The Hall of Fame should be if you hear their name, instant thought. If, if you have a huge hesitation, they probably don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I have that hesitation with Andrew Jones. Todd Helton was considered one of the best hitters, probably the top five best hitters for a long period of time, in my opinion. Granted, he played in Colorado, but still. He wasn't just a home run guy. He was a great hitter. I think he deserves that. And 62.7 um, war. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 62.7 Ladies and gentlemen, that is the highest war of any outfielder in the history of the game. 
and remind folks what war means. Wins above replacement. That means when he's in the game, they win 62 more times than the person that came in after him. It's <laughs> pretty good. All right. Um, not being real, real big into analytics. Um, I know what I like. <laughs> I'm going with Todd Helton, Tim Hudson, Tory Hunter, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Omar Vizquel, and Billy Wagner. Billy Wagner is the interesting one for me. Billy Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame, and if it weren't for his dreadful postseason stats, he probably would be. Dude, you know, for 5'10", 160, or whatever whatever he was. Can barely ride Space Mountain, guys. (laughs) But he he looked... 68240 to hitters. I mean, and, and through straight gas from the left side for a long time. Um, even when he wrapped up his career with the Braves, you know, he was still throwing gas. And, and you knew it was coming and you still couldn't hit it. I mean, you hear about major league hitters that can turn around anybody's fastball. They weren't turning around Billy Wagner's fastball, even at the end of his career. Yeah. Dude's fantastic. I, I I like Billy Wagner for a Hall of Fame. I mean, Omar Vizquel, um, if if Ozzie Smith is in the Hall of Fame, then Omar Vizquel should be in the Hall of Fame. He was scary. He was a he was a guy that you didn't want to hit a baseball I mean, he in could, the general vicinity uh, of. I mean, anything on the left side of the infield. He he could get he to. He could get to. You could coerce, and if he got to it, you were gonna be out. Yeah, you could coerce me to add him. Omar. Yeah. Um what about Andy Pettit? I think it's the same deal. I, 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 Just because he admitted it doesn't mean that. Uh, I, I also think there was a little bit of Yankee fatigue yeah. as far as that goes. I mean, I he like, obviously played well in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I hope I, like, I, I hope like Gary Sheff, I hope Gary Sheffield gets some love. Hey, oh, let's go, dude. I mean, just like you didn't want to come into a game and see Billy Wagner on the mound, you didn't want to come into a game and see Gary Sheffield at the plate, you know. I I think one of the defining Hall of Famer prerequisites is relative to your peers at the time you played, where do you stand? And Gary Sheffield was one of the most feared hitters in baseball. I period. Certainly agree. Yeah. Um no, I, I would, I would, I would be okay with with Sheffield and Wagner both. Mm-hmm. I like Tory Hunter as well. I don't know if it's, I don't know if he's a first balloter. I don't know that he's necessarily a first balloter, but I mean, if he's a second balloter, he's a first balloter. I mean, either he is or he's not. <laughs> but I just think he was kind of the glue guy, as much as anything. This for those great Twins teams that he was on. This is the year where I think you could see a lot of first balloters that shouldn't be, that wouldn't necessarily be first balloters any other time. When you when you look at the list of folks who are on there, you know, for the first time versus those who who have been on there multiple times, obviously, Kurt Schilling he he was close last year. I think he was twenty votes away. I think he gets in this year. Uh, Sheffield Wagner could get in because of that as well, mm-hmm. because of the company he's in. I've, I've got the 2020 vote percentage. Schilling had uh, 70%. Wagner, 
Wow. Clemens had 61%. Bonds had 60.7. Omar Vizcael had uh, 52.6. And then you dropped to uh, 35% and below Scott Rowland, mm. Billy Wagner, Gary Sheffield at 30, Todd Helton at 29. That's amazing to me. Andrew Jones at 19. Uh, Andy Pettit, 11.3%. Yeah. So. Well, it'll be interesting to see which of those comes up yeah. this year. I, I will be very interested to see. So, looking at those numbers, Kurt Schilling, we, all three of us picked Schilling. Or two no, of us we did. Didn't. Two of us did. <laughs> Odds are Schilling probably going in at that at that level. Right. Roger Clemens, 61. Barry Bonds at 60.7. I what think, do you think? I think a lot of people very much like um, – some of the the football players we've seen, I think a lot of voters are waiting for them to pass away so that they cannot be enshrined and enjoy that. That's pretty diabolical. This will be their 10th year. Is is that the number before you I, I mean, before ten, you drop off? I, that that I'm not sure of. And yeah. then and then it's up to they they a have veterans a veterans committee, committee right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, we're going to tell you our top five players who are not in a pro hall of fame who cannot be in a pro hall of fame. I guess, um, I guess they could be still be considered, but top five players who are not in a professional hall of fame that should be that should be on the other side of this break. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. It's been a great show. We appreciate you guys listening. And Maurice is over here trying to... Beating myself up with my headphones. <laughs> it's like those commercials where uh, heartburn commercials and the yeah. food, it beats you up. Yeah. yeah. It's like a big slab of bacon that was just slapping you. Well, I mean, when you... When one of the casters on your chair is sitting on the headphone wire and you don't have as much slack as you thought you did, then things happen. Anyway. Hey, uh, just want to real quick mention that when we get off the air at 11 a.m., that is when the Tennessee Titans Mr. Football semifinalists uh, will be announced. The finalists uh, will all be announced. You can check that out on TennesseeTitans.com under the community tab. 
and um the vot mike keith will be announcing those yes the man the myth the legend himself whom we will have on the show we got to get him at on. some point yeah um yeah so that will be at 11 you can watch it there we'll be tweeting that out uh as well on at sm underscore tn sports on twitter we have just a few minutes so let's go ahead and get into it it's the top five players who are not in a hall of fame that absolutely should be and I will start with an honorable mention. He is a football player, but I give him props for also being a an exciting professional wrestler with the New World Order, Steve Mongo McMichael, <laughs> the other half of the 46 defense linebacker. At number five, I've got... The guy who was the Dolphins to me growing up, Dan Marino was there, but uh, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas, not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and absolutely should be. Now, when you say Steve McMichael, do you think he should be in the Football Hall of Fame or the Wrestling Hall Both. of Fame? Both. Hmm. Okay. okay. Hmm. All right. All right. Uh, I've got an honorable mention, uh, National Football League, and could shift into here, uh, Donovan McNabb. Yeah, that's good. Uh, good quarterback. choice. My number five, I go to the National Basketball Association. A mayor and a great basketball player, Kevin Johnson. My number five is Isaac Bruce, much as I hate to admit it. Um, former, and he did actually go to Memphis State, thank you. Former Memphis State receiver <laughs> who starred with the Rams along with another guy who's going to be mentioned here in a mm, second. Mm. So, um, Isaac Bruce, part of the greatest show on turf. Yes, he was. My number four, Atlanta Braves first baseman, the crime dog. It's a crime, dog, that Fred McGriff is not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right, number four, I'm staying in the NBA. Um, the uh, the junior, the counterpart to Dennis Rodman, Ben Wallace. I think if Rodman's in, Ben Wallace deserves to be in. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And he's from Alabama. That's right. My number four is um, the guy on the opposite side of the field from Isaac Bruce, um, Torrey Holt. Holt. Yes, sir. Um, and it's odd to me that Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk are in, but those neither two of those guys are. So very weird. Yeah, I think home. I think Warner's was because one, it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so you've got his arena football stats, but also he, him playing for the Cardinals and taking them to a Super Bowl. I think that had a lot to do with it. Marshall Falk's years with Indianapolis had a lot to do with it. Bruce and Holt. And We're pretty much all with the Rams. Yeah. yeah. Um, my number three is also a guy from Alabama, Biscuit, Cornelius Bennett. Cornelius Bennett deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Dude played forever and played at a high level. He did. He did. But it was with Buffalo. So <laughs> Exactly. All right. Uh, my number three, and forgive me if uh, if he's eligible. I didn't research this. Steve McNair. Is he eligible? Yeah. Yeah, he's I mean, eligible. But, I mean, he's uh, – He's been up for it yes. already. Okay, yeah. yeah. He should be in the Hall of Fame. This is my homer pick. I do think he deserves, but it is a homer pick, Steve McNair. He, I think he's got the numbers to back it up. I just think Steve was less flash and more grit mm-hmm. in, in a world where flash is more rewarded. So I, I think he deserves to be. I'm not sure you'll ever see it. My number three is the only member. It's an NBA guy, and he's the only guy from – run TMC that is not in the Hall of Fame. Tim Hardaway with the Golden State Warriors. Mitch Richmond is in. Chris Mullen is in. Tim Hardaway should be in. Oh. That crossover, that alone. 
that was a cultural icon. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that alone deserves it. Really. Sorry. Tim Hardaway was fantastic. Mm-hmm. My number two, and this is going to be the most controversial of them all, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Mm. Uh, you watch you watch Eight Men Out, you watch any documentary on the 1919 Black Sox, but the fact is that numbers-wise, he's as good as anybody in the history of the game. All right, uh, my number two, Crime Dog, Fred McGriff. Uh, Braves homer, but... Crime um, Dog. But, uh, yeah, he deserves to be there. Um, my number two is from Atlanta, but it's a different league. All-time leader in tackles in the NFL, Jesse Tuggle. Oh, played yeah. on a lot of bad Atlanta Falcons teams, but Great very deserving. Player. Yep. Number one, I was I was completely emotional about it earlier, and I'm going to be emotional about it forever until he gets in. Andrew Jones deserves to be in the Hall mm. of Fame. Sixty-two point seven WAR. Um. Another homer, Dale Murphy. Not going to do it, but... He'll get in with the veterans. Yeah. My number one, Dale Murphy. Enough said. There you go. go. All All Braves, there you go. All right, this is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Thank you all for hanging out with us. We'll be back tomorrow, 9 to 11. Check out the uh, Mr. Football announcements on Twitter and TennesseeTitans.com.